You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Hope everybody had a fantastic holiday weekend and didn't start any fires with their fireworks and were able to hang out maybe by a pool, maybe get some golf in. Uh, Croc, did you did you have some food, maybe a little barbecue? How did it go down in the Crocker family for the fourth? Yeah, a little barbecue. Uh, I had some food. I got on the grill a little bit, barbecue, uh, cooked some burger, burgers. Is that your, what's, what's your thing? What's your best thing if you're like, look, the thing I make the best if I'm out on the grill, is it burgers? Yeah, because I'm not really like, a great cook or anything okay so you're not going to try to flex uh, most people won't admit that most people will say i'm amazing on the grill and i could cook the best blank listen man I, i've learned you got to be realistic about your strengths and weaknesses because <laughs> somebody's listening and knows me and then and they'll call me out so i know i gotta be real. Is important. I, I, I can throw some burgers on there and it probably ends there probably don't want to cook you don't want me cooking any more of your food on the grill. Okay, I got you. No, that makes sense. I did some kebabs that were pretty good on the grill. So that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, not bad. N- nothing crazy, but I- I'm a good. Try tips really easy. It's hard to be bad at making a try tip. That's usually one of my go tos and one of my favorites when I'm grilling anything up. Um, but yeah, I hope everybody had a safe and fun weekend. We did not have a Monday show. We're here for you Tuesday morning now, and a podcast that both of us listened to this weekend, Crocker from the Athletic, which was fantastic. And went really deep into uh, what trends are going on around the NFL on defense and maybe what trends to look forward to in the future. It was the, um, who's the host? Robert Mays is the host with Nate Tice and he had Pro Football Focus's Deontay Lee. And they had an awesome discussion about what teams are doing on defense right now. And there's some really good things to take away about the 49ers. And we can sort of look at it through a 49ers lens with some of the things they talked about and talk about what the 49ers are doing offensively and defensively scheme-wise and and what we might think that things are going to look like and how they might change going forward. So um, that is going to be a good discussion. That I really feel like the whole thing was about the 49ers. That was how I they, was hearing They it. referenced the 49ers a lot, and when you think of it like that, then you really hear a lot of the trends and things they're talking about because Shanahan's offense, even if it's not Kyle Shanahan, there's so many of those coaches around the league now, and so many coaches now have split off, and now the Jets are running the 49ers defense, right? And uh, there's It's a really the Kubiak offense, huh? Yeah, so it's I mean, Kubiak we, and then cover three is a lot of the talk, right? Everybody gives Shanahan all the love, but really, I, well... I think it was Mike Shanahan's well, Mike offense, Shanahan, right. and then Kubiak, and, and then Kyle was under Kubiak, so right. obviously yeah. he took from it what he wanted, maybe added his own little sprinkles, but at the end of the day, it really is more like Kubiak, as far as the coaches going right now, would be at the top of that tree, and then it would trigger down to Shanahan, the McVay, and LaFleur, yeah. and all those other guys. Because it was Mike Shanahan, and then Kyle's worked under Mike and Kubiak, but Kubiak worked under Mike, right? And so that's how yeah. all this goes but the Shanahan offense is what I like to call it and I think people know what you're talking about whether it's yeah, McVay yeah. or and everyone kind of runs a little bit different but uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of them around the league and a lot of teams running the cover three which they're doing less and less now as the 49ers have recently which was a b- big part of the thing uh, before we get though too deep into this discussion I do want to talk about one news note here that came down and uh, came down this weekend after we talked about it Friday with the 49ers getting dinged by the league for those OTAs. And if maybe Kyle Shanahan was lying about his OTAs that he canceled or the mini camp that he canceled and because he was getting uh, hit by the league and fined by the league and they were taken away that week. But no, 
there was a correction from Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter's been wrong, especially when it comes to the 49ers, more than I can ever remember recently. So uh, Schefter coming with the correction here said 49ers did not have OTAs taken away as they had already voluntarily canceled their last OTA and mandatory minicamp. I think people are still going to try to spin it in some type of way of Kyle Shanahan knew that they were going to drop the hammer. So he went ahead and canceled everything ahead of time. And it sounded like, at least from me listening to Mayoko's podcast, actually there's a couple of things I took away from that. One was that the investigation for the 49ers getting their stuff suspended did not start until Kyle had already canceled everything. Then they went in, they actually got some film review for from the uh who was it that tore the acl uh justin school school yeah. so they went and, and reviewed that, 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 that shanahan admitted it was contact drill yeah but that was after the 49 or kyle had already canceled everything yes so yes they so. didn't even get any type of oh this is what your punishment is going to be or whatever so he i guess he did not lie as a lot of people kind of alluded he did to. not lie he did not. He was truthful about it. But what's scary is, what if he voluntarily voluntarily canceled it, and then the league was like, "Well, you still got to lose a week, so now you're going to lose a week of training camp." <laughs> that would. Have been, oh no, that, that would they, been no, rough, you can't you know? do that. Yeah, no, the league's definitely not. Yeah, maybe do that, next dude. year, because I want to say, did the Cowboys and the Jaguars maybe lose a little bit of time next year? I think I saw oh, something like that. Really? Okay, so you yeah. got to feel the sting somehow because this came down after they were done with their mini camp anyway. Right, yeah. right, right. But the other thing I took away from that whole thing was, uh, gosh, well, oh, Mayoko talking about, remember, because I, I, I talked about my experience being in OTAs, and, I mean, dude, they never said anything about any contact or anything like that. But I guess if you actually read the rules, there are there there are rules about, like, if you're a cornerback and you're in coverage, like, you can't impede the receiver's uh, ability to move forward and stuff like that. And that's what Diamador Diam- Lenore did, mm-hmm. technically, right? Because of the hands and stuff. You can touch a guy, but you can't impede their progress in moving forward because I guess they want to eliminate, you know, the possibility of injuries and whatnot. But we were never told these rules. I, I was never told these rules. Like, nobody ever said, you-, you you can't do this. We just went out there and played. And I think they've had these rules all along, which I had wow. actually thought – that this was something that was new, maybe due to COVID or something like that. But I think these these have been the rules, but I, I don't think they're that they, they tell the players like that. I think we just go out there and maybe they say, you know, practice smart, keep everybody up, you know, that whole thing. And uh yeah, I mean, maybe it's magnified a little bit more because of a couple of injuries that came out from it and, and they kind of dropped the hammer. I think it was uh uh Nikki uh Winkler that said something about the Seahawks. Right, like they had the hammer kind of dropped on them a couple of times, or maybe a Ponty. We were on Ponty's podcast. He mentioned the Seahawks. Yeah, they've had that in the in past. previous years. Mm-hmm. Got got fined and whatnot. So yeah, I think this is something that's been around, but I, I never heard of it. And and I don't think any other teams really practice with that in mind, in the sense of no touching or impeding somebody's progress. So Shanahan, not a liar, but did you see Shanahan's throw into the pizza oven across the street on the 4th of July? Maybe a couple couple pops in, hanging out with Joe Staley, uh, some other folks there on a rooftop. I don't know where they were, probably somewhere on the California coast, maybe San Diego. I know that's a place that Kyle Shanahan likes to go on vacation sometimes. But um, yeah, like uh, 
I don't, I don't know how, I was just across the street, but then right before he throws it, Joe, I'm sure everyone's seen it by now, Joe Staley's like, don't hit any kids or something like that, and uh, yeah. he made it into a, I, I thought he was throwing into a basketball hoop, but it was a pizza oven that he was throwing into from across the street, so good on Kyle Shanahan, who's really deep down always wanted to be a quarterback all along. Yeah, that was, that was very impressive. I mean, he made it look easy, maybe because it looked like that was the first and only attempt. I don't know if it was or not, but True. that was high difficulty. That was a, a very high difficulty pass. And I think you see his reaction with how he was. And he, he even let out a cuss, yeah. curse word. <laughs> he, he dropped an F-bomb there. I think he was even surprised himself a little bit that he made it in there. Yeah, man, that was, that was, that was something cool to see. And it was cool to see like just how it looks like he is really tight with a Staley, who Staley, I'd imagine, isn't too much younger than Kyle Shanahan. Maybe there's probably a three, four-year gap, maybe. He could look at Kyle Shanahan like he's his big brother or something. Maybe Joe Staley has a future on the 49ers staff somewhere when it comes to coaching and and whatnot. Staley is 36 years old, and Kyle, I think, is, what, 42 maybe, something like that. Okay, so, a little, yeah. little bit, a little bit of an age oh, gap, but nothing. at the end of the day, and Kyle's, Kyle comes off as someone that's kind of a younger guy mentally. You know, just his swag. When you know, shoes. You talked about coaches can't have swag and stuff, but he he got a little bit of swag, got a little bit of juice to himself, and he comes off as somebody that like relates to the younger guys. Yeah, Kyle has that California skater dad swag like i know a yeah. lot of dudes that i mean i grew up in california you did too like i know a lot of dads that look exactly like kyle shanahan with the flat bill <laughs> and like look like you know they grew up as skaters somewhere in california and that's kind of the the vibe that kyle shanahan has for sure all right i want to make sure we have enough time here to talk about this podcast from the athletic and our thoughts on it and how it pertains to your san francisco 49ers next bet online is the fastest easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball season full swing there's something there all season long all summer long to bet on but we've got nhl and nba playoffs happening those are always super fun to bet on as the summer gets started ufc mma action we've got golf tournaments we've got horse racing there's no end to things you can bet on at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Reality TV, award shows, you name it. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game as teams are in their playoff runs head to the website or use your mobile device sign up today betonline.ag to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit use promo code locked on that's promo code locked on for 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts first of all you guys got to go check out this podcast from the athletics uh, robert mays and nate tice were with pro football Focus's deontay lee and they took a look at NFL defenses, what trends are happening around the league on defense, specifically last year, and, and what teams are starting to do, and, and how they think the league is going to start to look as far as personnel groupings and defense and schemes and how covering these modern-day offenses in the NFL. So it's a really good podcast. You should go check it out. And Crocker and I both listened to it. I was driving, so I wasn't able to take notes. But, Croc, you had a lot of notes, so I think you need to lead – lead the way here on this one. What was your number one takeaway? Because I think there was multiple takeaways from both of us on this conversation, which was fantastic. Yeah, there's a bunch of takeaways. I'll start with the fact that, you know, Deontay Lee from PFF came out and said that most teams still 
think that single high is the best and most effective way to stop the run on early downs, right? And now, obviously, cover three, I remember talking with Rex Ryan, and Rex Ryan was like, you know, most guys think that cover three is a pass defense. Like, no, nah, it's a run defense because you have more guys in the box, right? You get to have more guys closer to the line of scrimmage. Now, the tough thing is you got guys like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, and they have started to kind of exploit Cover three is rules. Kyle Shanahan talks a lot about knowing defenders' rules and what kind of puts them in the bind, and that's how you see guys end up being just, we call it butt naked, but wide open, right? And now <laughs> it has forced teams to adjust and go to more of a too-high scheme to try to take away some of these big explosive plays uh, from these deep overs and crossers. And uh, what I, I mean, I thought about so many things during this podcast, and they do reference reference the 49ers and, and both defensive and offensive schemes that the Niners have going there uh, and, and how those impact the league. But a few things when it comes to the rules in the cover three situation, because cover three is a sound scheme, and yeah, having eight in the box makes a lot of sense, right? You got three in the back end, you got eight in the box. It's an easier scheme to support the run, and then when the Legion of Boom were running on all cylinders, you got Bobby Wagner and, and KJ Wright that can cover ground at linebacker. You've got Earl Thomas in center field. You've got Richard Sherman, and you have so many bullets to run your system well, too. And one of the things that stood out is when they were running the cover three, and they knew the way that teams could exploit it because they knew the rules, right? And and that's one of the biggest things about this whole podcast, knowing the rules and, and how teams dictate what the other teams are going to do. And then they realize, well, look, these these are the two or three ways that teams go about beating our defense. So let's practice against those. So we see those coming. And I think back to Richard Sherman, and when the 49ers were running cover three, Richard Sherman, or when the Seattle Seahawks were running cover three, Richard Sherman would be running routes for guys. Cause he knew it was coming. Yeah. And and well, it, and and it made him it made it made it easier for them to defend the things that were supposed to be able to beat them because they practiced those things because they knew what were coming and teams have done a better job more recently. And then we don't have the bullets like they did when you're, when you don't have that many great players to run the scheme too, it gets more difficult and teams have more and more ways to try to beat your defense. So uh, that's that, that was interesting. And, it, and it's fascinating that fewer teams in the NFL, even those that are running base cover three, they're running cover three a lot less than they used to. Yeah, and I think also what the the Legion of Boom were, Boom were kind of ahead of the game with that whole thing. Yes. So a lot of people didn't even really know exactly what it was just yet. I remember hearing Chris Sims talk about on the podcast when when he was uh, scouting or doing whatever he was doing for the Patriots, and they were looking at the Seahawks defense, and they didn't know he didn't know what it was, and he's looking at it and he's like, well. I mean, you see single high, you assume it's cover three, and it was a former cover three, but it was a match defense. So they didn't truly understand what guys' rules were early on with the Legion of Boom, and that's why they were kicking everybody's butt, and teams couldn't figure it out. I remember they held uh, Drew Brees one time to 77 passing yards. Like, Drew Brees, 70 yards passing in the entire game because teams did not truly understand their rules, and, they, and then they had great players running this game, and that made it even more difficult to do to uh, go up against. So that was one thing early on that a lot of teams struggled with. And, um, you know, just listening to the podcast with uh, Deontay Lee and, and, and the guys from The Athletic, you know, when you have those eight guys in the box like that, it makes it – it's supposed to make it harder 
to run that outside zone. You know that, and that's what the 49ers want to do, right? They want to run that outside zone, get guys on the edge. But now, when you have more guys in the box, it makes it difficult. But what's the counter to that, right? Sucking the, uh, uh, I need to find a different way to say this, but bringing the backers up, right? <laughs> right. Bringing yeah. everybody up. Now you almost have a lot of guys on one plane, and then bringing the crossers behind it. And now you have those gaping areas. And that's what guys want to try to eliminate now. So, Instead of giving up giving up those big gaping crossing routes, those big chunk plays, 20, 25-yard plays that Kyle Shanahan loves to dial up, teams will now go to more of a too high, but you give up a little bit more in the run game now. But it's like, hey, would you you got to pick your poison. Would you rather give up four yards on an outside zone stretch, unless it's Raheem Mostert running the ball, but four yards on an outside zone stretch, and you might be a little bit more kind of limited with what you can do in the run game? Or give up the, the 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 gaping over route uh, off of a boot or play action, and I think teams are trying to figure out how to pick their poison with it. Right, and so looking at the 49ers last year, their base coverage was still cover three, but they ran quarters more than they ever have, and and toward the top of the league for how often teams ran quarters or cover four. Uh, on those base coverages, on those early downs, first and second downs. And so the 49ers obviously were were like a lot of teams last year, essentially saying, look. Okay, it's we can defend the run better with eight in the box, but we can maybe disguise things better with a cover four look. And maybe if you gain a half a yard per run more, that's okay because we're protecting ourselves against the big play. And what teams are starting to do now on defense is just protect themselves from the big play on first, second, and third downs. It's not just a third down passing league. And now, too, what teams are doing, you know, when, when the 49ers get to the line of scrimmage, what is Jimmy Garoppolo do, right? Kill, 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 or let it roll. You know, he gets the line of scrimmage, and there's two plays. So if he gets the line of scrimmage and he sees single high, then he might check to the boot action. If he gets the line of scrimmage and he sees two high, then he might stick with the run play, right, And, and instead of killing uh, the pass play or, you know, whatever, or vice versa. Well, I think teams now are like, okay, we got to figure out how to show one thing and do another thing. So now you can show too high, know that you want to get that other guy in the box, right before the snap of the uh, ball, get a guy to roll down, and then now you have your eight guys in the box. So that might see some be something where we do see guys either disguise it more or mix it up a lot more. Uh, I know the 49ers early on, or we'll go back to the Seahawks and they're, since they're originators of this defense, but they just line up in single high and not care if you knew what they were doing at all. Yeah, and they, they just, just want to be sound now, in their scheme, and that was it. Yeah, I think now teams are like, all right, no. we're, we're going to have to try to figure out either how to disguise it or be a little, you know, multiple with uh, the ways that we line up. Right, like in the Super Bowl, Wasp, the famous play. Like the, they know, you know, the, the the Chiefs knew. They had this play. This is the thing that was going to beat this defense. It's a specific thing. And they tried to run it at the right time, and they and they hit it. And But they needed time to run it. So there's other issues with it, too. It's like, okay, well, if we want to run Wasp, if we want to run this certain play that's a beater for this certain look that we're going to get, we have to be able to block it up correctly. How do we do that? How do we dress it in a way that this is going to work and they don't change out of something because they know we're running so dictating what the other team is going to do the rules involved with your scheme versus the rules involved on the other team's scheme and how you can use those rules against each other i think is super fascinating and it's another thing i want to cover with this topic and also how personnel and what kind of players are on the field and who the 49ers currently have as their players 
is probably on purpose, right? And and want to look ahead a little bit of what the 49ers are going to try to be doing on defense and how their current personnel, it starts to add up and make a lot of sense. More on this subject, what's going on now and in the future on the defensive side of the football. Starting to realize that there's no bad time to enjoy a built bar. It's how I started my day today. Did not have a lot of time before I had to hit record and get working. If you are low on time, you want a healthy snack you need to replace a quick meal maybe you can't do much better than a low sugar low calorie high protein high fiber snack that tastes awesome and to make it even tastier i'll tell you how you can get 15 percent off your next box of built bars built bars are great for the health conscious folks out there uh, lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and even great for a keto diet That peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories and 5 grams of sugar. Cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Convenient self-service at RockAuto.com where you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, even new carpet for your classic cars, your daily driver. Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. You know what, Croc, there was one note from a different podcast that ties into all of this, talking about the 49ers offense and Kyle Shanahan and, and running the outside zone that they do so well, right? And all those Shanahan offenses are so good at running that outside zone. But the 49ers, more than ever, starting to counter off that and running some more gap runs and some other things like that. And John Benton, well, and this is the same pod, this is a different episode, but the same podcast, the uh, the Athletic Football Podcast, the host, uh, Robert Mays, had talked to John Benton, who's a former offensive line coach, now with the Jets, formerly with the 49ers. He was asked about that and when they started to run more gap stuff. And and he said that that started around the Pittsburgh game in 2019 on the 49ers offense because the Steelers line up so wide on defense with their edge players that the 49ers knew that it was going to be difficult to get outside of those guys and run the wide zone. So what's the counter off that? The actual counter. Like, you know, let's go inside then because now they're not going to have the numbers there and you could kick out those guys that are already outside. It'll be even easier to kick those guys out. And and so I think Shanahan maybe at some point realized, you know what, teams know what we're doing. They know the rules. So if they're going to try to overplay that outside and overplay our outside zone, well, we can counter with this. And they have some more, I think, athletes some more players offensive line and running back wise to help them do that I think recently so we can see some trends in the draft recently and what the 49ers personnel is that can give us some clues about what they're trying to do going forward Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, nah, and I mean that we could say the same thing about the 49ers defense, right? Mm -hmm. And what they're doing. You and I were kind of talk about it, talking about it, what, maybe a week or so ago. And we were talking about Eric Armstead and how we would think that they want to play Eric Armstead in the interior. I thought when they traded DeForest Buckner away, it's like, oh, Eric Armstead, he's gonna go to and be that three tech guy now. Then they went and drafted Kenlaw, and I'm like, what? This doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. And then you hear this podcast and you start to understand some of these personal uh, things. So I think as fans, we're always, or people that cover the 49ers, it's pass rush, pass rushers, pass rushers. Like you just want to get all these pass rushers and it got to be speed off the edge, right? And then you listen to a podcast like this and they start to talk about the importance of kind of being able to stop the run when you're playing more too high, more cover forward. So 49ers, I've noticed they've done a lot more of uh, in, the, in the last couple of years. They've, and, and we, I don't know if we mentioned it, but 49ers and the Rams are two of the most cover or quarters defense heavy teams in all of the NFL on first and second down. Mm -hmm. So what's the, what's the counter to that? And how does that change maybe how you uh, use your personnel? Well, Eric Armstead becomes much more important as a defensive end because, again, we talked about how the weakness to the outside zone, you know, cover four. Right. That, like that's a weakness, to at least on defense. And you give up more yards per carry in cover four on outside zones than you do in cover three. Mm -hmm. But if you want to run cover four, how do we counter that? Like, how do we stop that? You put a big guy on the outside. Now we see how that personnel change kind of makes, uh, you know, a little bit more sense. Eric Armstead, who is more stout, bigger and stronger against the run, especially on the edge. Now we're you know, the outside zone would be a weakness. You have somebody there that kind of offsets that a little bit. So that allows you to play more cover four on the back end and defend that boot and everything while still having somebody that is stronger at the point uh, against a run on the end. So, you know, Deontay Lee was talking about how you're going to see teams go to more of a, a pure edge rushing guy. That's just, okay, great pass rusher. can get after the quarterback, but on the other side, you might have a guy that's much more bigger. And he was talking about, he was like, you know, more of a 285-pound guy. And I'm like, gosh, this sounds like he's talking about Eric Armstead. Armstead. Yeah. yeah, so like if you're going to have one less guy in the box to defend the run, then your box that you do have with seven guys needs to be, at least up front, needs to be stouter, right, to make up for that difference. Yeah. And then you can utilize, you know, the speed that you have behind those guys. And obviously Eric, um, Eric Armstead's a bigger power end, and you got a couple of defensive tackles in there. And then Nick Bosa, who's a good pass rusher, is also really strong and a good run defender too. By the way, did you see this? To interject here, there was an interview from Rams, longtime offensive tackle, been around the NFL forever, and played against a lot of dudes uh andrew whitworth said that nick bosa is special he said he's got some rare power i think he'll be really special he said aaron donald's the best player in the league but he also said that which i he, agree with he uh, i completely agree with that 100 and but he said nick bosa is going to be special had rare power and that nick bosa he said he felt more power blocking nick bosa than when he was blocking his big brother joey bosa who's even bigger than nick he felt he said he felt more power from nick which is really interesting yeah, so that's the you know the good thing about being able to draft number two overall when Nick Bosa is in the draft mm -hmm. and you're able to land him because I talked about having more of a pure edge rushing pass rushing guy on the end and then a more stout guy on the other side. But with Nick Bosa, you get both. Yep, you get, you get both, both. Uh, best <laughs> of both worlds so, with him. And yeah, if you can have a couple of Nick Bosa, you're not in position to get those type of guys all the time. Absolutely. Yep. 
Uh, absolutely. So off. So def, obviously, front seven, fast linebackers. Well, Niners have linebackers more, in cover. Okay, go ahead. So defensive tackle, that three tech. He also said that a lot of times that three tech is a little bit more of a not this big, strong, stout guy, right? But you see who the 49ers got. They drafted Kinlaw to play that three tech. And again, that's that personnel change that we've seen kind of going on with the 49ers where they are building more towards being a cover four type team. You get a guy like uh, uh, Kinlaw, who typically isn't a guy that plays that type of position. I guess we like Buckner. You look at Buckner. Buckner is big because he's six foot seven, right? But he's not big in the sense of weight. He was a six, seven, 290, 295. So that's a long linear, leaner guy. Mm-hmm. In, in comparison to Kinlaw, who, if you were just trying to replace Buckner with, I mean, uh, yeah, replace Buckner with with, with, with Kinlaw, you would say, man, these these body styles, like, they don't match up because Kinlaw is 6'5", 325 pounds, and it sounds like his weight can even go up from there. So at any point, he can be 6'5", 340 pounds. Like, that's not what DeForest Buckner is. Right. You know, Kinlaw's been 340. They they definitely have a different biological makeup. And in fact, Eric Armstead's probably more similar to Buckner than Kinlaw is, even though they right. you know, one played in, one played tackle. They're pretty similar. They're both... Uh, three, four defensive ends when they were drafted. So Kinlaw is much different. He's got size there. And I remember John Lynch after the draft talked about drafting someone as big as Kinlaw because he had to go up against those big guards that the Seahawks had. And I thought that was sort of an odd right. comment, but, um, well, but again, really what he was saying was we're drafting Kinlaw because we're kind of doing this shift in our defense and how we want to call things. And we want to go more, you know, go to a little bit more too high mm-hmm. on rundowns and we want to be, a little bit more stout, not having as many guys in the box. And try to have someone who is stout against the run, but could also give you some juice as a pass rusher. So that's what they're hoping to get from Javon Kinlaw. And, and I'm sure yep. uh, they're hoping he takes a huge step as a pass rusher this year and continues to to build on his technique as a run defender. But that also means that things change in the secondary too, right? If you're running cover four, you don't need the same type of exact measurements and length maybe as you needed when you were drafting for cover three defense. Right. Early on, a big thing, especially when the 49ers kind of, you know, brought Sala in and Kyle Shanahan had in his head that more Seattle scheme. So they went with the bigger corners. Initially, they have Rashard Robinson, who isn't big in sense of like weight, but, you know, still, you know, taller guys, 6'1", 6'2", long arms, that whole thing. Uh, Killer Witherspoon, they drafted him that first year, 6'3", 200 pounds. So you still had those long guys. Now, if you look at how they finished last year and you look at some of the guys that they drafted this year, they don't have those big body guys. And a reason for that is because with cover four, you might want to play a little bit more off coverage. In, off coverage, you know, typically guys that are better in that area, unless you get a freak like Jalen Ramsey, who just does everything very well, right? But a lot of times bigger guys have a little bit more trouble moving in space. So if you look at like, you know, like a Richard Sherman, who he's good in space because he's understands route concepts extremely well and he can play with his eyes so well. But if he was just out there and had to, more play more honest he would probably just because of the way he's built have a little bit more trouble in space from that standpoint and we saw even a little bit of that um a few years ago in the playoffs against uh atlanta falcons where they kind of went downfield on top like you know sherman is somebody who wants to play at the line of scrimmage and typically that's the kind of cornerbacks that the 49ers have wanted but now when you look with who they have and you saw where they finished last year with you know verrett who is a smaller guy that's not the six three 
200-pound corner that they've been bringing in, even guys like Harris that they drafted late. And I think it was uh, the kid from uh, Missouri. He was number two. I can't think of his name right now. But they brought him in undrafted rookie for Asia. Another big guy, AAC, I think his name is. Um, he was a 6'2", like 200-pound corner. Now, see them go with – you see them go with Verrett. He's not a big guy. Mm. You see them go with Mosley. Not a big guy. And Mosley initially, I don't know if they planned on just playing him in the nickel, but he was a guy who was like, okay, you can play outside, but we're going to play him a lot in the nickel. And they did a lot with him early on playing in those type of spots. Now he's more of a pure outside cover guy. Yeah, not a big guy, 5'11", 185 pounds. And then you look at how they drafted corners. You got Diamador Lenore. He's not a big guy. And all that to me sounds like they are setting up to get more guys that are just pure coverage guys that move in space extremely well because they want to move more towards cover four and they're in their big and not having the big guys that might be a little bit more of a liability from playing off coverage. And that also makes safeties more valuable because of what a safety has to do, because you might show cover four, but one of those safeties is going to come down. Now it's cover three, or maybe that safety has to come down and cover somebody in the slot and they don't have to shut them down necessarily in the slot, but they've got to be able to compete there. And Jimmy Ward can obviously do those things. Um, Jaquaski Tart's a really athletic guy for being a big safety, but then there's the other aspect of this. And we've seen it from Fangio's defense in running more of a three, three, five sort of a, um, uh, a defense where you're trying to cover, still trying to block, you know, still trying to to stop the run a little bit, and you know, Fangio, Staley, we're seeing those defenses that are going to start to grow all around the league. Pretty soon, the league's going to be all Shanahan offense and Fangio defense. I, I really think that that's <laughs> what's going to end up happening, at least you know, in in the near future. But um, now that extra safety who acts sort of like a linebacker, and I see what the 49ers have been doing at safety, and they've brought a lot of. They've just paid a lot of attention to the safety position. They haven't spent a ton of money other than Jimmy Ward there, and they haven't really drafted people super high, but with Tarverius Moore, and they brought in Tony Jefferson to replace him after he was hurt, and then they have uh, Tufanga, who is the, or, yeah, Telenoa Tufanga, who we're going to talk about this week at some point. It's the last rookie we haven't done the scouting report on, so I think we've got to talk more about the secondary. So uh, this conversation can continue and spill into that. We'll have the scouting report on Talanoa Hufanga, what we think of the 49ers secondary, project who we think are will make the team at both cornerback and safety for the 49ers. Um, Marcel Harris, though, I, I think there's maybe a dimension of dime linebacker that I think the 49ers also want to incorporate here. That's just my inclination right now. Yeah, and you know I'm a fan of Marcel Harris. I know he gets a bad rap, but I, I I would like to see him get more chances. It sounds like maybe they're not as high on him. I always look at, you know, what moves does the team make, and it seems like some of the guys that they're bringing in, they're kind of showing us like, oh, we're not as high on Marcel Harris as you are, Eric Crocker, and you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But yeah, man, <laughs> overall, just it seems like we see a a shift in how they are utilizing personnel guys that they are bringing in. And I never even really thought about it from in that, from that way until I listened to this podcast today and everything just started. Mm -hmm. It's just light bulbs started going off left and right. And I'm like, wow, this all is starting to make so much sense. And you got a guy like Kyle Shanahan, maybe trying to stay ahead of the curve. Okay. You guys think you guys are on to me. You guys want to try to defend, you know, the, the, the boot actions and you, the outside zones. Well, I'm going to go ahead and draft this quarterback number three overall that adds an entirely yeah. 
different dimension to my offense that you guys haven't seen and you guys aren't ready for, and we'll see how you guys prepare for it. Right, and Shanahan's already started to incorporate so many of those jet motions to try to keep defenders at bay and, and help those numbers out and change the look and change the rules for the defense because all of a sudden now that's late motion, now it's the, the rules have changed for the defense, right? And then you add a running quarterback in there, which also helps your number and changes the rules a little bit and gives you another numbers advantage. So Kyle Shanahan absolutely thinks about those things and um, think about the defensive side of the ball now and listen to that podcast. A lot of it comes together when you look at the 49ers personnel and it starts to make some sense. So I think they're going to start to continue to trend in that direction as a lot of the league is with the way uh, teams are defending the big play right now in the NFL because the big play is king and I think we're going to see a lot more big plays in the NFL and that's what teams are a little bit more scared of and they're worried about defending the big play more than they're worried about defending the run even on first down right now so that's sort of the gist of what's going on we'll, we'll continue to talk about more of this we're out of time today we will preview cornerback and safety Talanoa Hufanga scouting report uh, camp battles there at corner and safety and how we think that is going to look in the 2021 season and Winky Wednesday coming up Tomorrow, right here, Locked On 49ers.